is not dead. This is Resurrection Sunday. Time for us to celebrate a risen Savior. So let's go to God in prayer and prepare our hearts to hear a message from Him. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we, we celebrate the fact that we are here worshiping a risen Savior and that we don't have to cry over a, a crucifixion any longer in desperate hopelessness. But Father, we celebrate the fact that you are no longer dead, that Jesus has come back to life and that we are saved by his work. God, we love you and I pray that this Easter would be a fantastic reminder for us that you would strengthen our hearts and strengthen our minds and our entire bodies in general, God. We would be strengthened by the knowledge of knowing that Christ has accomplished his mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I'm Pastor Daniel, and at this point of our worship service, we are able to hear a word from God from his holy scriptures, the Bible. And today I want us to, obviously, we are here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. The songs that we sang earlier are celebratory and uh, highlighting the fact that we are here today because Jesus is no longer in that tomb but he has risen from the dead. Astoria is known as Little Greece to a lot of people. It used to be, it's becoming less Greek now as more and more people from all over the world move here, but it's still known as Little Greece. One of the things I learned from moving here from my previous landlord was that when the Greek, Orthodox, the Greek Easter comes around, I need to uh, learn how to say Christos Anesti. And then if someone says it to me, respond back, Alithos Anesti. Christos Anesti means Christ is risen, or Christ has risen. And Alithos Anesti means truly he is risen. And that's the message today. Christ has risen. Truly he is risen. One of the truths about this statement that Christ has risen, he has risen, is that this has changed the entire world. It doesn't just change the lives of those who believe in Christ, but it has changed the course of this world. Instead, this world, instead of heading to destruction, the world is heading to new life, a new direction, not of destruction and death, but a destination of healing. This world is heading to rescue. It's heading to life eternal. The resurrection of Jesus changed the way the followers of Christ lived forever. They didn't understand a lot of the things he was teaching until the resurrection. It started to make sense. It were changed forever by this reality that he was once dead, but now he lives. I think all of us have had life-changing moments. One of the biggest life-changing moments in my life was over 12 years ago. I was lying in bed, and my wife and I, we'd been married for about five years. Five months at that point, I was lying in bed on a Saturday morning, and she was needing to take a pregnancy test, but I wasn't worried about it, because this had happened like the month before, so I was, eh, whatever. So I was sleeping in on Saturday morning, and she came barging in. She got up before me. She came barging in. Daniel! And I raised up. <gasps> what? And I thought, oh, no, it's a spider. I hate, I hate spiders. I'm, I've, I've gotten better with it, but I was, that was my initial thought. Oh, no, it's a spider. I have to go kill a spider and be manly. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, 
I know. I was like, what? I'm pregnant. I laid back down. I was like, oh, good. I thought I was a spider. <laughs> and then it sunk in what she said. Oh, no. She, she's pregnant. We weren't wanting this to happen. We, I mean, I had another semester of school left, and we were going to go out and get jobs and conquer the business world. And around 30, we would settle down and, and have a family. But the news shook me. And over the months, her body changed and her belly got bigger and the reality of this I'm pregnant statement became more and more real to me. But then the day happened. We ran to, went to the hospital and after eight hours of labor, I got to hold my little girl and cut the umbilical cord. And it really hit me. Whoa. This has changed my life forever. I can't go back to not being a dad. It was terrifying. I was 23. This was a lot of responsibility, especially for me, because I probably wasn't the most mature 23-year-old. She was dependent upon me. It was my job to provide for her. On the day she was born, we were living in Arkansas at the time, and we watched on TV as airplanes flew into the Twin Towers, September 11th. Everything, and even in Arkansas, was shut down. Everyone was terrified. What was happening in this world? What's going on? Instead of it being just a joyful day where I'm celebrating this new life that God had given, I was also grieving What kind of world have I brought this girl into? Emotionally, it was overwhelming in many ways. I could never forget this little girl. It changed my life forever. I was living in a new reality, and that new reality was called Dad. The followers of Jesus had a much bigger life-changing moment than even that. They saw on Friday as their Savior was crucified. All the promises he had made and all the change that they were expecting to happen just a week before as he rode into Jerusalem, they saw those hopes and dreams vanish as the spear went through his side and he was dead. He was in the tomb. But something magical, well, miraculous, happened three days later. Look with me in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. And let's look at the one who was buried and see what happened. Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 and following. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards, remember there were guards guarding the tomb, they trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen, as he said. 
Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, even before they got to them, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The Gospel of Matthew gives us the most dramatic telling of this scene at Jesus' tomb. It shows us an earthquake, and there's an angel of the Lord there. There are guards that are so stunned by the presence of this angel that they are in a comatose state. Not only that, but Jesus, mind you, who was dead just three days earlier, was not there. He was gone, and he was telling them that he is not just missing, but he's alive, and he's going ahead of them to Galilee. Mark and Luke, the two, gospel, two of the other Gospels, tell us that the women were coming to the tomb with spices. They were coming to anoint the body of Jesus. They were coming to anoint a dead body. They were expecting to find a body that was decomposing, a body that was stinking and in need of spice to lessen those offensive odors. But they didn't find what they were expecting. Apparently, the God who seemed to be silent on Friday and Saturday was having the last word on Sunday. He's answering the disciples' questions of where are you, God? What is happening? Our Savior is dead. He's answering all their questions and he's revealing to them the glory of God, and his reasons for the crucifixion. But God is doing much more than just an extraordinary miracle here. He's doing more than just bringing his son back to life from the dead. What God is doing is starting something brand new, a new way of life, a new world that God had promised a long time ago. And he's sending his disciples to Galilee first, but they're not going to stay in Galilee. He's going to send them out all over the world. And he's going to spread the good news. They're going to spread the good news that he who was dead is now alive. Look with me again in Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So the women were going to Galilee. And they were expecting when they got there to see Jesus. But Jesus, remember, met them before they they ever got there. And we see a wonderful experience that they have with him. Look at this next verse. They're on their way. They're they're in this state of fear and joy. And they're on their way 
to see Jesus. And look at the joy that they experience on their road. Verses 8 and 9. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. A wonderful mixture. I remember my, my son lost his first tooth on the bottom right here. And he was so excited to finally lose this tooth. And it came out and there was blood. And he, was, he came running in. I lost my tooth. <laughs> he was going crying. And then, oh, I'm scared. And they laughing. And crying. <laughs> there was this blood. He was just excitement. There was this joy. I'd finally done this. But, oh, there's a lot of blood. And so I can imagine these ladies, they're, they're, they're so fearful because there's this empty tomb and there's this earthquake and what is happening here, but there's hope, there's joy that the one that we love is no longer dead, but he's now alive. So there's just this mixture, all these emotions that are overflowing from them. They ran to tell his disciples in verse 8 and verse 9, and behold, Jesus met them. Oh, it's so important for you to remember in your down times of life when you have failed Jesus that he is the one who always comes to meet us. He is the one who initiates the loving relationship that we have with him. If it were ever dependent upon our obedience for God to love us, we would all be damned. But God didn't do it that way. He has graced us into a loving relationship with him. He met them on the road and he said, Greetings you imagine someone you loved even greater than just anyone we could love here but the Messiah the Son of God and you have been privileged to follow him and he's dead and you're hopeless and then you find out he's alive and you're running expectantly to go find him and he meets you and he says greetings and you just fall down on his feet at his feet and worship him they worshiped him as people we're commanded to have no other gods before the one true God and the creator God, the living God who is responsible for breathing life into our very being. These disciples worshiped him. It shows us that he is the son of God. The claims that he made that I am him, I am he, I am the one are true. He is the Messiah, the promised one through whom God will redeem and rescue this world. And when he died on the cross, his followers had lost hope. They expected him to ride in to save the world their way, and when he died, they lost hope. Their supposed Savior had died, and it was over. And if you remember on the cross, as Jesus is hanging there, you hear him say these words, It is finished. I can only imagine if I were to be one of the disciples and seeing him do this and say, It is finished, what it would have meant to me. It would have felt hopeless to hear those words. It is finished. It's over. All the plans, all the promises that we had yearned for, that that we'd heard from him, that there was going to be a rescue, it's, it's finished. It's over. But their despair turned to overwhelming joy when they saw their Savior. It's Jesus, He's not dead. They left the tomb with fear and joy, and the sight of their Savior they turned into boldness. There was joy, there was relief, there was amazement, there was wonder, and most of all, there was hope again, because Jesus was alive. And the tears of grief turned to tears of thankfulness and gratitude and wonder. And then Jesus spoke to them in verse 10. 
Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will find me. They were commissioned by God to go out and to spread the good news that Jesus was alive. It amazes me how huge of a task this was when you think about it, because it's impossible. Don't think that just because we live in the 21st century that we're wise enough to understand that people don't come back from the dead. This was revolutionary for them as well. It's not science today that tells us that people don't come back from the dead. We know this. We know this. Throughout history, people do not come back from the dead. And so God tells them, ladies, I want you to go and tell these people that the person they saw killed and dead is now alive. You want that task? (laughs) I want you to go tell, tell people something that's totally impossible and see how they react. But after seeing the risen Savior themselves, I imagine the sight of Jesus and being with him personally gave them security and strength to endure the doubters, to be unhindered by the mockers who called them crazy because they had experienced the truth of a risen Savior, and they were able to stand in spite of what other people thought of them. But it wasn't just the outsiders who would doubt a risen Savior. Even those who walked closely with Jesus, those who knew him best, would struggle with the doubts. In fact, if you remember a young man named Thomas, look with me in verse 24 of chapter 20 in John. I did that the wrong way. Look in John chapter 20, verse 24. Just making sure you're awake here this afternoon. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, you know, unless I see his hands, the marks of the nails, in his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side. Unless I do these things, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. And see my hands. And put out your hand and and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, Thomas gets a bad rap for being a doubting Thomas. If you've ever heard that phrase, you know, you're just a doubting Thomas, he gets a bad rap. But don't dismiss the fact that once he saw Jesus, he shouted or he cried out to him, my Lord and my God. He submitted to him. Jesus met Thomas in his doubt. And he surrendered to Christ and acknowledged him as Lord. So where are you this Easter in your walk with God? You know, too often... We as people can find ourselves seeking a spiritual experience when we go to church. We want to encounter Jesus the way these women did on that day and just fall down at his feet with this fear and joy and these emotions. We want to get caught up in this. 
like the other disciples did. We look for a spiritual high, if you will, in our life. But Jesus was more than this. Jesus was more than just this great spiritual experience. It was more than just a miracle. It was more than just a dead man coming back to life. And it was more than just restoring hope for the followers of Jesus. It was more. What Jesus did at Easter was about God's purpose. And now it must be fulfilled. What Jesus did at Easter was about God's purpose and that now it must be fulfilled. We see Jesus commissioning his people to a new work later in chapter 28, telling them to go to a new work. And there's a new life you've been raised to, and there is a new way of life for you to live. All of the things that Jesus spoke before were, were going to come true because of the resurrection. He had validated, God had validated his ministry in his words. The people of God now are commissioned by the Holy Spirit of God to do the work of God. God's work is now being fulfilled. Instead of remembering now the words on the cross, it is finished as something that is is sad and hopeless and thinking, oh, that it's over. Now we look back and we see the power of this work, these words. It is finished. It's not a sad statement, but it's a statement that it claims the sufficiency of what Christ has done. It's finished. Death has been defeated. Where is your sting? It is over. It is accomplished. The battle is over. Death is defeated. It's not just a pathway or a segue into the afterlife, but death is defeated. It's no longer a viable enemy. Sin no longer reigns. So where are you in your walk with God? You know, the God who raised Jesus from the dead equips us and fills us with His Holy Spirit so that we can be agents of reconciliation. So that we can be the people of God who pray, God, not Your will be done, but Your kingdom, your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my life, have Your will be done. In, in my home, in my community, in my church, God, have Your will be done. This past week in our neighborhood, here in Little Greece in Astoria, Evidently, some people were not anticipating the glory of Easter and what it means. And there were some break-ins in our neighborhood just a few streets from us. People were breaking in, and I believe they were caught. But they were coming to people's homes early, early in the morning before they were awake. And it scared me for a minute. Because, you know, remember, I live in a new reality now called Dad. So one of my jobs as Dad is to protect And so, unfortunately, sometimes, since we live in a fallen world, bad things can happen. And I wondered what would happen one day if that precious little girl that God had given me over 12 years ago, what if something happened to her? Because I can't protect her from everything. And I have three other precious ones, too. What if something happened to them? Where's the hope that I have in this life? Fear crept into my heart. What can I do to protect? Maybe I should call ADT and get the the housing system to protect us. You know, what what if I do this? Well, what if I position the car differently or, or the windows or, you know, all these things happen? 
And then God reminded me of something. Make good decisions. Do what you can to make your house a safe place. But Daniel, the message of Easter is not about you having a comfort life. It's not about you avoiding sickness. It's not about tragedy not coming to your life. Daniel, the message of Easter is that no matter what happens in your life, death is defeated. It no longer has power. What God has done through Jesus has defeated death. So I no longer have to live a life of fear. That is the good news of Easter. No matter what happens in this life, God has won the battle. And I have hope because of what Christ has done. Not even death itself can separate us from the love of God. We are guaranteed, we are not guaranteed, a life without heartache, pain, sickness, tragedy, cancer, crime, or death. But we are guaranteed that death, the ultimate enemy, has been defeated. It does not have the last word. On Easter Sunday, God got the last word when that tomb was empty and Jesus said, greetings. Boom. He is alive. The Holy Spirit lives within his body. He desires to do miraculous things through us. You know, Jesus said that greater things will be done within my church than even I did. You know why? It's not because we're greater than Jesus. Don't think that. But because the Holy Spirit of God lives within us and souls by the millions are coming to faith in Christ and we are seeing that there is a God who loves this world, who has rescued this world, and if we'll just latch on to what he's doing, he'll do some fantastic things through us. Now hell's going to try to stop it and some bad things are going to happen, but the church is going to keep going. You know why? Because the tomb is empty. God has the last word. He promises eternal life to all those who believe. Christos Anesti. Alithos Anesti. Christ has risen. Truly, he is risen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we celebrate the truth that the tomb is empty. We celebrate today that Death has been defeated. We celebrate that you have had the final word on death. You have defeated it, Father. We praise you that, um, that we can see how worshipful and how excited the disciples were as they saw you and they fell down at your feet, Jesus. And we look forward to the day when we can do that personally. But, Father, we praise you that because of the faith that you have given us, even though we have not seen you personally, Father, we believe We believe in what has been told to us and secured for us and passed down from generation to generation, that the tomb was empty, that the dead has come to life, and that there is life eternal for those who will trust in the one who proclaimed that it is finished. So Jesus, we worship you and we praise you, and if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. The next portion of our worship service we call a time of response. And that's because hearing the word of the Lord calls us as followers of Jesus or as just innocent bystanders to respond. Now, the journey we've been on these last eight weeks in this Lent series has made this Easter sermon even more special 
this whole service more special because not only do these words, he has risen, truly he is risen, mean so much today, but we've seen over the past eight weeks that the resurrection transforms our relationships. The resurrection brings us hope. The resurrection makes our marriage new. It makes our life new. It makes our relationship with our children new. The resurrection cleanses us from sin. The resurrection gives us the Holy Spirit. The resurrection baptizes us into death to self and resurrects us into life of selflessness. The resurrection transforms our entire existence. And so tonight, the response is very simple. God raised Jesus from the dead. And in that resurrection, he wants you to be raised as well. As this choir sings, cornerstone. The words will resonate that Christ is the one all of this is built on. And I want to invite you tonight. There's actually pads up here. You can come and kneel if you'd like to pray to God at the altar. I will be standing up here to your left if you'd like someone to pray with you. If you'd like to hear the words, you are forgiven. I would love to pray with you. But respond to the call of resurrection. Be resurrected today. Find new life, find joy and peace in the life of Jesus. Let's pray. And after I pray, we'll stand and we'll sing this majestic song with the choir. And I invite you to respond how God has called you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your only Son. We praise you for the glory and splendor of Easter. And we thank you most of all that every Sunday we live as followers of Jesus Christ is a celebration of Easter. Bring us new life today. Lord, would we kneel before your throne and lay down our lives so that we might find abundant life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and let's sing.